Hey guys, Kurt here. Before we get to this episode, let me just tell, uh, let me just say, I talk about some things on here. It's an episode about UFO cults. Some of these didn't end well. Some of them are a little bit on the graphic side. So I try to keep it lighthearted, try to only kind of gloss over it. Um, but there still might be something that might upset kids. So please listen to this episode first before you let your kids listen to this episode, just in case this one might not be one you want to hear. Don't worry, I'll have another episode up, hopefully by this weekend. Stay tuned to find out what that'll be. But just wanted to give you a little precursor. This one might not be okay for kids to listen to, just to be on the safe side. All right, thanks. Enjoy the episode. I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about religions, or cults, but these are connected to UFOs. Don't know what I mean yet? Don't worry, you'll find out in just a second. But first, as always, shoutouts. We have shoutouts to Sarah Lynn, Sarah Baker, Rosa Hernandez, Richard Frazier, Pablo Octavio, Nick Murphy, Nanashi Wolf, Melissa Henderson, Megan McDaniel, Matt Scott, Matt Schroeder, Martin Martucci, Manning Camp, Michaela O'Donnell, Maggie Zer, Zer? Maggie Zer. Hi, Maggie. Lionel, Lauren McCune, Laura Ruth O, or Laura Ruth Organ. I'm doing the whole name. Sorry, I almost forgot. Laura Pitts, Lash, Kyle Bukowski, Kira V, Kenny Copps, Copes, C-O-P-P-E-S, Kenny Thank you, Kenny. Welcome. Juliana Brinkskell, Joshua Merman, Joe Wong, Jim Whitley, Jenny Kane, Jeff T, Jade Blackshear, J. Mark Beaver, Heidi Arnott, Harley, Fabian, Aaron Robin, Edgar Medina Benderis, Lawrence Henchy, Dill David Fryer, Daniel Power, Dan, Chuck Cook, Carolyn Chow, Carolyn Lindig, Seth, Autumn Tucker, Angie Smith, Amy E, Amber Aline, Aaron Vincent, Shelley Walker, Suzanne McGowan, Tosh, Todd Jamie and Elijah Hendrickson, Travis Gravely, Troy Kimball, Veronica Schloss, and Vincente Rocha. Rocha. Vincente Rocha. I think that's more proper. Uh, thank you all so much. If you guys want to be like these cool kids, head on over to patreon.com slash paranormal almanac. All of this helps to make Paranormal Almanac a better show. I can't do it without them. Thank you all so much. All right, with that, let's get into Paranormal News. Hey, what time is it? It's time for Paranormal News. First up in Paranormal News, Harry Reid wants hearings on what the military knows about those UFOs. Those UFOs that have been in the news all over the place, those ones that are bothering the Navy, 
He says, they would be surprised how the American public would accept it. And I have to agree with that part of it. For nearly two years after it was reported that the Pentagon set up a secret program to investigate UFOs at the request of former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, the former senator is clamoring for Congress to look into what the military knows about their existences. Speaking with Nevada's KNPR, Reid says he wishes lawmakers would hold public hearings in what the military knows. I agree. He says they would be surprised how the American public would accept it. People from their individual states would accept it. And I have to agree. Reid was able to get $22 million in funding for the study of military sightings of UFOs. And he said that the office produced a plethora, a plethora of reports on the subject. He says that money was spent developing page after page of information where people in the past had seen things and not one person, but hundreds of people. As a result of that, there's been a lot of activity since. And again, I kind of have to agree. And he goes on to say that the Department of Defense is always concerned about maintaining positive identification of all aircraft in our operating environment, as well as identifying any foreign capability that may be a threat to the homeland. Oh, I'm sorry, this was from spokesman Christopher Sherwood. He says the department will continue to investigate through normal procedures, reports of unidentified aircraft encountered by U.S. military aviators in order to ensure defense of the homeland and protection against strategic surprise by our nation's adversaries. So again, more and more people want to know what the hell is happening. In April, uh, we already know that part. It's been uh, Navy released reports, blah, blah, blah. There have been a number of reports of unauthorized or unidentified aircraft entering various military-controlled ranges and designated airspace in recent years, the, the Navy said in a statement to Politico. The former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, Christopher Mellon, said, We know that UFOs exist. This is no longer an issue. Yes, I agree. Give us more information. Tell us more about what those UFOs are. It's no longer are, are there UFOs. We know there are. Now we got to find out what they are. Up next, speaking of UFOs, Nevada, Area 51 and UFOs. Myth no more? And it goes on to say that for decades, the topic of the UFOs and Area 51 was just a conspiracy theory. We all know that's not true. Then George Knapp, an investigative journalist at KLAS-TV Channel 8 in Las Vegas, had been looking into the phenomenon of UFOs, Area 51, and other paranormal activity for 30 years. He said it wasn't until 2017 when the, when the New York Times published a report about the government's secret program to investigate military sightings of UFOs, as we all know. He said that's when everything changed. Right now, though, is maybe the most exciting period in all time that I followed it, starting with the December 17th, Nope, the December 2017th New York Times story that changed things on a fundamental level. It changed the media environment, which is very exciting. Now, he noted that the reporting on UFOs before the New York Times article didn't really help a journalist's career. But now, these stories are one in a million. Everybody's doing it. He goes, it's amazing. The topic has been poisoned for the, for the military for so long. You basically couldn't trust anything that was said. Not anymore. And he goes on to say that this is the time to be alive for UFO communities. The stories are coming out more and more. The sightings are happening more and more. We know they're real. We know the government's looking into it. Now we just got to find out again what it is we're looking at. Don't be surprised if Paranormal News every episode has at least one story involving these this Navy and the UFO. I hope you guys don't get bored with it. Please don't get bored with it because that's exactly what they want. They want people to move on to something else. 
This is in this is a very important time. Like he was saying, this is a the most important time to be a UFO believer because these things are real. We know they're happening, and the stories are going to come trickling out more and more, little by little, for as long as we want them. So we have to want these stories. But this next story has nothing to do with UFOs. Maybe? It's what's causing the huge mass anomaly beneath the moon. The far side of the moon contains an enormous and very weird structure at its south pole. Scientists think they might know the source of this anomaly. The South Pole Aitken Basin, Aitken Basin? Sure. Is a huge crater produced by an ancient impact on the moon, whose longest axis would span from New York City to Omaha, Nebraska. Now, beneath this basin lies a strange anomaly, an excess of mass extending at least 300 kilometers down, more than 10 times the, depths, the depth of the Earth's crust, just to give you an idea of how deep that is. Now, scientists think this might be a remnant of whatever impactor created that crater. So there's something huge down there. Will we ever find out what it is? Well, it's starting to look like we are going to find out what it is. Is it going to be an alien? Probably not. A UFO? Probably not. Is it going to be something we've never seen before? Probably. Whatever that was that the moon protected the Earth from, it almost destroyed the moon. It was so big. So that's a really cool story. Again, I want to keep a close eye on that because who knows what it's going to be. All right, but that does it for paranormal news. We can close that up. Let's move on to the topic at hand because, you know, I did an episode just recently about flat earthers and boy, did I get a lot of messages and emails from quote unquote truthers saying that I'm a paid government agent that I'm doing this podcast to give you guys misinformation. So I guess I'm a paid government agent. I don't know why I need a Patreon or, or a day job for that matter if they're paying me so well to give you guys this misinformation. But I thought, well, that was fun to piss off flat earthers. Who could I piss off next? I don't know. How about religions? So why am I talking about cults? You might be asking yourself right now. And, you know, that's a good question, but I'll tell you why. Because these cults that I'll be talking about on tonight's episode are all connected to UFOs. That's why. But just a warning, this one's going to get on a going to be a bit of a touchy subject, I guess I want to say, because anytime religion is brought up, I get a ton of messages or emails telling me about how I'm wrong or how I'm going to burn in hell or something equally as bad. So, look. Everybody stop what you're doing. I need your undivided attention. If you're driving, then just stop and park, no matter where you are. Yes, even on the freeway. All right, don't do that. But seriously, listen to me for one second. Honestly, everybody, I'm doing cults that are connected to UFOs. If you're a member of any religions I talk about on here, good, awesome, have at it. If you aren't hurting animals or people or stealing their money, then good, go be in a cult. I'm not your mom. Go be in a cult. So I repeat, if you are, and I talk about your religion or cult or whatever you want to call it on this episode, it's all good. But leave me alone, though. I don't want to join. I don't want to be sacrificed. Maybe I joined one of the cults on here for shits and giggles, but you'll have to wait and see which one. All right, we cool? Okay, with that out of the way, 
Let's talk about some batshit crazy religions. Yeah, you heard me. They're batshit crazy. If you, if you belong to one of these on here, guess what? It's batshit crazy. One of these cults that I'm going to talk about, I actually have a personal first-hand story about that I don't think I've ever talked about on a podcast. I don't think I ever talked about it on my last podcast, Drunken Metaphysical. If I did, I was drunk, so I really don't remember. So it's new to me. Hopefully it's new to you. It's not that great of a story, but it'll be interesting. Trust me. All right, but first up, we have the Seekers, a.k.a. Brotherhood of the Seven Rays. Now, are, I'm sure you're asking right now, are there seven guys named Ray in this cult? Nope. That's how disappointing this first one is. First up, it's the Seekers, the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays. So I'm like, oh, it must be, you know, like Quidditch. So it's a Quidditch cult. That's cool. I will join that cult. Sadly, they have nothing to do with Harry Potter. So here's what they do believe, though. In 1954, a woman named Dorothy Martin from Oak Park, Illinois, suddenly had a vision, a thought, a wacky idea that aliens from the planet Clarion, yes, Clarion, had told her the world was coming to an end, telling her there will be much loss of life, practically all of it. And that sucks. Then... And this was in 1955. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was 54. Then in 1955, it is an actual fact that the world is in a mess. But the supreme being is going to clean house by sinking all of the land masses as we know them now and raising the land masses from under the sea. So he's going to do a flip-flop of land masses. This is 1955. And he said, hey, guy, hey uh, Dorothy, it's an actual fact. The world's a mess. But don't you worry, this supreme being, yeah, he's going to come down, he's going to clean house. Basically, he's going to sink all the land masses, we now know him, and raise all the land masses from under the sea. Now, he didn't say if it was going to be, like, at the same time. Like, one would go down as the other go up, because then you think people would just swim to the, the other ones. If they're by something that's sinking, there's going to be by something that's raising. So, you know, you get different shaped countries and different shaped land, but think of all the cool stuff at the bottom of the sea that's now on the surface. You can go and look at the Titanic. Sure, you'd be, you know, mucking around in a bunch of mud. And I guess, hopefully, like, all of the sea animals would kind of, like, splash in to the new seas that are being made. Because it would suck if there's a bunch of, you know, stranded whales, beached whales in the middle of this new land. I already don't like this religion. I gotta say, we're only, like, a minute into this new one, and I don't like it. But anyhow... So she got a former physician from Michigan State, and this guy's name was Charles Loghead, to be the spokesman. Because it was 1954, people listened to men way more than women. The shit she was talking about was just batshit crazy. The planet Clarion, landmasses flip-flopping. So she's like, hey, I'll get a dude to do it. Everybody's going to listen to him. And he started preaching about a tidal wave and a volcano, plus... A rise in the ground extending from Hudson Bay in Canada to the Gulf of Mexico in Mexico, which will seriously affect the center of the United States. Gee, you think so? You think a giant rise in the ground completely through North America would affect the United States? Boy, these people are brilliant. So what happened? I know you're asking this question right now. I'm sure you're Googling it right now. Did a giant rip through the United States happen in 1954? Well, let me save you the time. You don't have to ask Siri. Nothing happened. All right, cut to Christmas Eve. The Seekers are gathered on 
Peculiar Avenue? Sure, why not? Doesn't matter. It's 50s. The Seekers are gathered on an avenue to sing Christmas carols while they waited for the flying saucers, which were supposed to land, to protect them from this big riff. Now, they're surrounded by press and onlookers because they were telling everybody about this UFO landing at this specific time, at this specific place, Cooler Avenue, C-U-I-L-E-R Avenue. So they had all the press just waiting there so they could be like, ah, suckers, we're getting in these UFOs, you guys have to stay behind. Here's what happened. They sang and waited for the spacemen for perhaps 20 minutes before they retreated to the living room. So nothing happened. Now, Loghead used a December 21st earthquake in Eureka, California as proof of the prophecy that that was going to happen. That, that little earthquake on December 21st was the rip straight down the middle of North America he was talking about, even though it wasn't. So what happened to Dorothy when nothing happened? So no UFO showed up. Well, she was placed under psychiatric care to prevent the Oak Park police of charging her with inciting a riot after, quote, a boisterous crowd blocked traffic on Christmas Eve outside the Martin home at 707 South Kuehler Avenue in Oak Park. After Miss Martin had predicted that she and her associates would be, quote, lifted up that night by spacemen. Now that guy, Martin, oh, I'm sorry. And Martin and uh, Dorothy was also, she also faced charges of contributing to the delinquency of minors because, quote, a police investigation showed that children of the neighborhood had talked to Miss Martin about space travel with the result that some of the youngsters had trouble sleeping afterwards. So besides a little newspaper blurb, how do we know what happened with this UFO cult? Well, University of Minnesota social psychologist Leon Festinger and some of his colleagues were actually there on the street that night. They actually joined the cult so they could do an inside look at UFO cult personalities. So Dr. Loghead gave an incredibly boring interview to a reporter. He was so defeated it didn't happen that night. So the newsman said, or the reporter, whatever you want to call him, said, didn't you say you were going to be picked up by the spacemen? So Loghead said, uh, nope, nope, I didn't say that. And then the, the reporter said, wait, well, you were waiting out in the street and for singing carols and doing, you know, like waiting for the UFOs. And he went, oh, no, no, no. Well, we went outside to sing Christmas carols. That part's true. And the reporter was like, oh, you just went outside to sing Christmas carols? Nothing about UFOs? And he said, well, and if anything happened, well, that's all right, you know. And the reporter was like, um, but do you think it's conceivable that they were scared away by the crowd? And that's when he said, oh, no, they weren't scared away. But a thing like that, it's, shall we say, expedient? And the reporter rightfully, sent, rightfully so went, expedient? And he goes on to say, yeah. And the reporter's like, what do you mean? What way? And he goes, well, I mean, to get the mob reaction to that kind of a setup before they actually decide to do anything. And the reporter was like, so in other words, so uh, they wouldn't start a riot or something if they picked you up then. And he said, well, heavens, they've had riots over less than that, you know. Completely skimming over the fact that nothing happened. Oh, no, we weren't outside. We we're just, you know, singing carols, waiting for UFOs. Oops, did I say UFOs? I didn't mean to say it. Yeah, right. So then Dorothy Martin, remember her? Well, she changed her name to Sister Thedra. That was in the 60s. And she started another cult, the Association of Sananda and Samet Kumura. That was in Mount Shasta, California, where she found herself again talking about 
UFOs to a small amount of people. But she died in 92, at the age of 92. A quite uneventful beginning to UFO cults. How about the next one? The Aetherius Society. Now, the Aetherius Society is a new, quote-unquote, religious movement founded by George King in the mid-50s. I don't, that doesn't sound so new to me. And it's as the result of what George claimed were contact with extraterrestrial intelligence, whom he referred to as cosmic masters. The main goal of the believer is to cooperate with these cosmic masters to help humanity solve its current earthly problems and advance into the new age. There is going to be a lot of that crap on this week's episode. Some of it, sure, why not? It seems harmless. That last one, a couple of kids got scared so they couldn't sleep. Not much happened. Nobody gave all of their money to her. That one seemed pretty harmless. So this one, the Aetherius Society, was founded in the mid-50s by George King. And he said that these people, these cosmic masters, they were from Venus and Saturn. And he said they controlled the fate of humanity. Not only that, but they told George about the next Messiah who will show up on a UFO. See? UFO cult. See the connection? Get why I'm doing this episode? That's right. Cults and UFOs. Back to George. So he said he had the, he said the new Messiah will be armed with magic more powerful than the combined materialistic might of all the armies. Anything happen with this one? If you guessed no, you'd be right. Because the religion's still going on to this day. There's thousands of members around the world. And even though George died in 1997, the new Messiah has never shown up. There's no UFO. No UFO landed with some super Messiah. Or has it? Not that I know of. I couldn't find anything about a UFO super Messiah. Alrighty. Up next, I'm just going to wing through this uh, this name. It's the Free Intersengengemeinschaft für Grenz und Gestein Weissenschaften und Ufology Studien. Look, I'm not saying that one again. So we're just going to call it by its acronym, FIGU. That's basically what I wrote with FIGU. So it's FIGU. So, all right, you got it? All right, cool. So there's this guy. His name was Edward Albert Meyer. He was a Swiss guy. And, um... He made a lot of photographs. Well, he's the source of a lot of photographs of alleged UFOs. Now, he said, hey, I'm in contact with all these UFOs and all these extraterrestrial beings. And he also had a bunch of other material. And this was all during the 70s. And he had metal samples. He had some sound recordings. He had film footage. He had a ton of stuff. He was a regular contact with extraterrestrials. And he called them the Plejaren. Now, he's said to be the seventh reincarnation after six prophets common to Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jemmanuel, and Mohammed. So he's the seventh of these people. Now, guess what? Those, uh, photo those photos of UFOs and all that footage, film footage and the sound recordings and everything, well, they're all fake. See, even though he said that he's been having extraterrestrial encounters since 1942, at the age of five, he met this elderly Plejaren man named Svaf. Well, Svaf, he died in 1953. That's gotta be, you know, that's almost 10 years. It's 11 years. So 11 years hanging out with Svaf, and he died. So then he started hanging out with this extraterrestrial woman called Asket. But in 1964, everything stopped. 
Then in 1975, he met Semjath, who was the granddaughter of Safath. And shortly after, another one, Ptah. So all these people, Nero, there's a bunch of them. So we got a bunch of photos of all these people. Well, he, again, they're fake, but I'll get to that in a second. So he finds, he found this nonprofit cult saying Semjast told him to, and he called it that free and schmock and fergrenz, the whole thing. Figu, remember that. And uh, a lot of people were like, all right, he's got proof. I'll kind of see what he can do. So he starts showing these followers photographs and films all done by him showing the alien spacecraft floating above the Swiss countryside. Now, he called these alleged spaceships uh, beam ships from Plajaren. Of course, they're from Plajaren. Everything is. And they gave him permission to photograph and film their beam ships so he could prove to the Earthlings that he was the seventh prophet or the sixth prophet. No, he's the seventh prophet. He was the seventh prophet. He's here to save humanity. Well, let's cut to 1997 when Calliope, his ex-wife, that's right, this guy got married. He found someone that would marry him. Well, she told him, she told reporters that his photos of spaceships were created with the likes of trash can lids, carpet tacks, basically all the household crap you find all over the place, hubcaps, that whole thing. And the stories he told of his adventures with the aliens were also fake. Big surprise. She also said that the photos of the extraterrestrial woman Asgat and Nira were actually photos of Michelle Delafave and Suzanne or Susan Lund, who were members of the singing troupe The Gold Diggers. Guess what? It was later confirmed that those were the women in his photos. And those photos were taken from the Dean Martin show. So, what happened to Eddard? Not a lot. He really didn't do anything else. He really didn't get many more followers once the hoax popped out. Sad, but 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 true. Nothing really came of his UFO cult. With that, let's move on to the next one, which is a much better story than Figu, at least in my opinion. And this one is called Ashtar Galactic Command. All right, yes, it sounds like some sort of Toy Story thing, but it's a UFO cult. Because on July 18th, 1952, man, the 50s were a hot time for making UFO cults. George Van Tassel channeled a being named Ashtar. Although most of the communications with Ashtar were done through channeling and automatic writing. Now the next person to talk to Ashtar, Robert Short, did it with a ham radio and television signals. Since then, many different people have also claimed to talk to Ashtar. Maybe you're one of them. If you've talked to Ashtar, please send me an email for my I've Talked to Ashtar episode, follow-up episode. All right, so all these people are talking to Ashtar. And this was about it really for the cult until something called the Vrillon message, V-R-I-L-L-O-N. When this thing happened, it was the highlight of the cult. It was the peak, the pinnacle of this cult. It's called the Vrillon message. This was broadcast at 10.10 p.m. on Saturday, November 26, 1977 for six minutes in the U.K., the broadcast was an interruption on ITN early evening news from the Hannington transmitter of the Independent Broadcasting Authority in the United Kingdom. Now, this was on that local ITV station. Um, so what was the message? Well, it was a message directly from Ashtar Galactic Command. 
a deep male voice with that thing where they make it sound deeper and distorted over the, over, you know, like, here, this is what they did to it. Hi, I'm Kurt. I am not Ashtar from Ashtar Galactic Command. All right, so that they, that's the thing that they did. They made it sound deeper and stuff like that. And they cut in audio signal only. They cut in to the early evening news to warn viewers of, quote, The destiny of your race, so that you may communicate to your fellow beings the course you must take to avoid a disaster which threatens your world and the beings on other worlds around you. So I know you're asking this. Was it the real Ashtar? Nope. They concluded, hold on one second. So they concluded that the broadcast was a hoax, achieving by directing a powerful signal at the Hannington UHF transmitter. Now at the end of what the engineers later described as a rogue transmission, as the signal faded back to whatever, short bursts of the adverts playing after the news bulletin can be heard. Then the Southern TV identification music, then a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's the Goofy Gophers episode. Don't know what that is? Well, hold on. You gotta have a little bit of Goofy Gophers. Let's try this Goofy Gophers. Radishes, I love them. Simply love them. Starch, starch. Makes you fat? No, I wouldn't. No, indeed. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Look, strawberries. Strawberries. Oh, no, 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 no. They make you break out in a regular rash, you know. Well, celery. Look at these berries. Aren't they luscious? Oh, that's not. All right, so that's the Goofy Gophers. That's what cut in at the very end of the Ashtar Galactic Command's message, if you will. So that was really the end of Ashtar Galactic Command. They never found out who did it. To this day, they said they really don't know who did it. They know how they did it, but they've never caught the people. And this kind of thing happened here in Michigan, or in, not in Michigan, here in America as well. I believe it was in Chicago, maybe Wisconsin, when uh, Max Hedrum cut into a news uh, station one time. His was a little bit more graphic than Ashtar Galactic Command's, but... That was pretty much the end. That was the pinnacle of this whole UFO cult. So, up next is the real reason I did this episode. I'm talking about Heaven's Gate. Now, I actually have a personal connection to this one. But first, let me tell you about Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate was an American UFO religious cult based near San Diego, California. They were all up and down Los Angeles to San Diego, but San Diego was where it all kind of ended. Now, it was founded in 1974 by Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Now, on March 26, 1997, police discovered the body of 39 members of that group in a house in Rancho Santa Fe near San Diego. They apparently had participated in a huge mass suicide in order to reach a spacecraft, a UFO, that was following the Hale-Bopp Comet. Now, the Hale-Bopp Comet made all the news because you could kind of see it, definitely see it with the telescope. You can kind of see it with the naked eye. So everybody was out buying telescopes, but I don't want to jump too far ahead. So just before the suicide, the group's website was, was updated with the message, Hale-Bopp brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew, or Ty's crew, I don't really know. Now, on March 19th to March 20th, 1997, Marshall Applewhite taped himself speaking of mass suicide and asserted, quote, it was the only way to evacuate this Earth on that UFO that was following the Hale-Bopp Comet. 
Now, Applewhite persuaded 38 followers, sadly, to commit suicide so that their souls could board that UFO. And he believed that after their deaths, the UFO would take their souls to another level of existence above human, which he, which he described as both physical and spiritual. In October 1996, the group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members and would pay out $1 million per person. This policy covered abduction, impregnation by aliens only, or death by aliens only. So that was a thing, I guess, that you could get. I don't know if you can still get it. If you can, I guess someone feel free to buy me some alien abduction insurance, but only if I can pick who the benefactor is. All right, so this whole group, they rented this big-ass mansion in a gated community in San Diego. 38 Heaven's Gate members, plus the leader, were found dead in the home on March 26, 1997. In the heat of California spring, mind you. So many of the bodies had begun to decompose by the time they were discovered. Those bodies were all later cremated. And you can actually see some of the actual bunks that those bodies were in, some of the shoes, some of the, the, the uh, sheets, everything, at the Museum of Death in Hollywood. If that's, a thing, if that's a thing you're into, there's a place called the Museum of Death. I've been to it a couple of times. And it has a room dedicated to Heaven's Gate. Now, members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce and washed it all down with vodka. Then, they put plastic bags over their heads. Turns out when you do this, you die. So don't do this. This is terrible. I'm really sorry that I have to read this to you guys. Um, it was a terrible event. I remember it quite well. I'll get to that in a second. Now, authorities found the dead lying neatly in their own bunk, base, in their own bunk beds, Faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth. Each member carried a $5 bill and three quarters in their pocket. The $5 bill was to cover vagrancy fines while members were out on jobs, while the quarters were to make phone calls. All 39 were dressed in identical black shirts, sweatpants, brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes, and an armband patch that read, Heaven's Gate Away Team. You might be saying, oh, that's a Star Trek reference. Well... There's a reason. Unfortunately, one of the dead was Thomas Nichol, who was the brother of actress Nichelle Nichols, or Uhura, on the original Star Trek. Now, the members were between the ages of 26 and 72. They believed to have died in three groups over three successive days, while many people cleaned up after the prior group's death, which is, again, just horrible. All right, so that leads me to the story that I promised you earlier. I have a personal connection to the Heaven's Gate cult. I was working at a place called Natural Wonders. In the mid-90s, when I first moved out here, I had worked there in Michigan as well, but when I first moved out here to California, I needed a job. I was doing a lot of extra work, as you guys know, Friend Seinfeld, 902107, whole lots of crazy crap. But I also needed a day job. So on the weekends, when there was no extra work, I would work at Natural Wonders. I was the telescope expert at this Natural Wonders store. I was really good at selling them. I was really happy to sell them because we got a little bit of, not a commission so, so much as like a perk for selling them, especially around the Hale-Bopp Comet time. Because like I said, everybody was coming to buy telescopes. There was, I was more than happy to stand there and just watch them sell. It was fantastic time for me. So this person came in, this gentleman, he came in, 
he started asking about telescopes. And they said, oh, Kurt can help you. So I walked over. Hey, how can I help you? And he started telling me this batshit crazy story about Hale-Bopp Comet. He said, do you know about it? I said, I sure do. Let me tell you about it. Again, thinking I'm going to make this big telescope sale. And he goes, wow, you really know a lot about Hale-Bopp. But do you know about the UFO behind it? And I went, no, tell me about the UFO behind Hale-Bopp. Again, thinking I'm going to make a big sale. Or he's going to tell me a cool UFO story. And I'll have a, this story for, you know, 20 years later when I do a podcast. Um, so he's telling me this story about Hale-Bopp and how the comet behind it is going to save all the believers. And he's like, are you a believer? And I said, yeah, sure. I believe in UFOs. And I think that's what hooked him. And he goes, oh, give me a piece of paper and a pen. So I gave him a piece of paper and a pen. And he wrote down an address. And he said, you should come down this weekend. I think you'd really be interested in it. So he left. I went, ah, crap. That, I didn't make the sale. That sucked. That guy didn't buy anything. Maybe he'll be back later. That was kind of weird. Put the note in my pocket. Well, actually, no, I think I threw it out. I, th I was like, okay. And I threw it out because I wasn't driving down to San Diego. I barely had a car that ran. Um, not that I would have anyway. Um, so I went back, back after work, went back home. I was telling my roommate about it. And she's like, okay, whatever. Cut to a few days later, maybe a week later. It wasn't too long afterwards, though. Um, we're watching the news, her and I, and I was like, holy shit. She's like, what? I'm like, that's the guy right there. Because on the news, they had all of their faces up, all these people that had died on the Heaven's Gate cult. And I was like, that's the dude right there, the one that I was telling you about. And she's like, holy shit, he wanted you to go down to a party that weekend. And I'm like, this was the party. He wanted to, He wanted me to, to kill myself with this cult so I could go up to this UFO. What the fuck? So... Again, I don't think I've ever told this on a podcast or, you know, to many friends. That, uh, there's a lot of friends who probably didn't even know about this. But yeah, I had a one degree separation from the Heaven's Gate cult. They asked me to go down there. Again, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Uh, I'm good here. I hope you're up there on the, on the UFO. Hey, if you guys are up on the UFO and you get podcasts and you're listening to this, feel free to call me. Feel free to come down and chat. Feel free to send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys. Kind of weird. All true. I swear to you. All righty. Up next is the Chen Tao, or as it was also known, the True Way Cult. What's the True Way, you might be asking? Well, apparently it's being batshit crazy. It was formed by Hong Min Chen, and he taught his followers that the universe is 4.5 trillion years old. All right, whatever. That's not too, too bad. I like that one better than 6,000 years old. Um, and he also told his followers that our solar system was created by a nuclear war. I guess I can't prove it wasn't, so okay. It was done by a big gang. Big bang, not a big gang. A big bang, who's to say that wasn't a nuclear war? He also taught that we have three souls each. Why three? Who knows? And that humanity has been rescued on five different occasions by God Descending in a flying saucer. There we go. All right, so God cruised down on a UFO and rescued human humanity. Could it have been aliens intervening? Nope. He says no. It was not aliens in a UFO. It was God. Now, Chen published texts and works on his doctrine that are for sale, of course, and even convinced his followers to give him money in exchange for passage aboard UFOs, which were disguised as clouds. Now, they would land on Earth in 1999 and take them away. That's right, 1999. Prince sang about it. So did 
any of them take off on clouds? Well, before I get to that spoiler, he also moved his cult to San Dimas, California because God was going to land there. And then he went, oh crap, he didn't land here, sorry. Now we have to move to Garland, Texas because Garland kind of sounds like Godland. That's right, I'll say it again. He went, whoops, wrong place. We gotta go to Garland, Texas because it kinda sounds like Godland. All right, so Chen and his 160 members were sitting in Garland when Chen had another prediction that God would announce his plans and materialize on Earth in human form, recognizable to only Chen, on March 31st, 1998. God would announce his formal second coming on Channel 18 on television on March 25th, 1998. When the day came and nothing happened, Chen went, oops, I messed up the math here. Uh, let's try it again. Then nothing happened. So he moved to New York and he kind of just kind of faded away. So no cloud UFOs, nothing on Channel 18, no UFOs in general, no God coming down to protect, to protect man for the sixth time, whatever it was, nothing happened. All right, that moves us on to the next one, the Universal Industrial Church of the New World Comforter. Man, you had me on this name until you got to the last word, the word comforter. Universal Industrial Church of the New World Comforter. Seems kind of comfy. I'd probably buy one on Amazon if it's like a weighted blanket. But the Universal Industrial Church of the New World Comforter is actually a UFO religion founded in 1967 by Alan Michael. But his real inspiration came years earlier in 1947 when Alan was a pictorial sign painter in Long Beach, California. And that very year, he had an encounter with the galactic space beings. Not just regular aliens, but full-on galactic space beings. Now, while he, was while he was painting this signboard outside, he was beamed up into the mothership. What happened to the sign? No one knows. The stories never say, and it bums me out. Did he come back and see that he had painted like a line straight up as he was beamed up to the mothership? That's what I want to know. Now, he also saw a UFO in 1954 at Giant Rock in the Mojave Desert of California. So that's three UFOs that he's already talked about seeing. How about you share some UFOs with the rest of us? Then, 1967, he began the One World Family Commune with a vegan restaurant on the northeast corner of Haight and Scott in San Francisco. Now, that was called The Here and Now. Now, the restaurant's name was changed to the One World Family Natural Food Center, and then they opened up a few more. They actually were beginning to be kind of successful. There was a large mural on the side of the restaurant painted by Alan Michael, apparently he didn't get beamed up during this one, that had written above it the phrases, farmers, workers, soldiers unite, the people spiritual rever, nope, the people's spiritual reformation, 1776 to 1976. Now the farmer was holding a pitchfork, the worker a hammer, the soldier was holding a gun, and they had their arms around each other's shoulders. Above them were three flying saucers coming in for a landing. So, I guess this one's more about vegan food than a full-blown cult because nothing really happened to them. And Alan, well, he ran for president of the United States in 1980 and in 1984 on the Utopian Synthesis Party Ticket. Spoiler, he didn't win. Alright, before I get to this next one, you guys seeing a pattern here? Batshit crazy people say, hey, I'm talking to aliens a whole lot. You wanna join? 
People say, yeah, I want to join. I want to talk to aliens a whole lot and see UFOs. And then nothing happens, except for the Heaven's Gate one, which that was a terrible ending. Alrighty. This next one seems to have taken a lot of ufology and turned it into a religion or a cult. It's called Raelism. The international Raelian movement was described as the largest UFO religion in the world. Now, these Raelians believed that scientifically advanced extraterrestrials known as the Elohim created life on Earth through genetic engineering and that a combination of human cloning and mind transfer can ulti ultimately provide eternal life. So this one, they just took all of these scientific theories or science fictional theories that we've all heard a billion times and said, nope, it's all true. It's in a religion. It's a religion. You got to love us. They also talked about past religious teachers like Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad. And they said that they had been sent by these scientifically advanced extraterrestrials to teach humanity. The Elohim are said to be planning a future visit to complete their revelation and education of humanity. When? Don't know, but they're planning it. Now this Raylan prince, sorry, this Raylan priest, Thomas, said, the difference between Raylan's and Heaven's Gate and Jim Jones is that the others destructively believe in a God who would give them a better life after death. Just like those most believers in a monotheistic religion do today. And hence the, hence the risk for suicide chasing afterlife rewards. I'll give them that. You guys should not join any cult that wants you to commit suicide. Sorry, don't kill anybody, don't commit suicide. As Raelians, we want the best right now in our life. Who would want to die now in that scenario with all those pleasures to enjoy? Raelians believe in enjoying life now with happiness and laughter. So again, this guy seemed to have just found all of these UFO type stories that we hear over and over and over again and just said, it's all religion. Hmm. How does that remind you up? Up next, let's talk about Scientology. <laughs> nope. Just kidding. There is no way I'm touching Scientology. I get enough flack as is. I don't need to bring them into it. So, no, sorry, I'm not touching on Scientology in this episode. Let's move on to the Order of the Solar Temple instead. Now, the Order of the Solar Temple is a secret society whose beliefs and activities involve a mix of Christianity, UFO, New Age philosophy, and Freemason rituals. That's their hook. Theirs is... We've been around all this time as this secret society. So there's a lot of triangles, a lot of secret society stuffs, but here comes the crazy. Even though they started pretty basic and nothing to report, well, that is until one day, the infant son of one of its members was sacrificed in one of the group's lodges because he was believed to be the Antichrist. So yeah, this one escalates real quickly. Then, shortly after... A number of people in the inner circle committed mass suicide and others were found mysteriously shot or smothered to death, all dressed in their ceremonial robes. Bottom line, it did not end well for the Order of the Solar Temple. Alrighty, let's lighten it up a little bit. And the next one is the Universe People. Now, the Universe People, or the Cosmic People of Light Powers, is a Czech movement centered around Ivo Abenda. Its belief system is based on the existence of extraterrestrial civilizations, ah, extraterrestrial civilizations communicating with Benda and other contactors since October 1997. Now, they did this either telepathically or later by direct personal contact. 
Now, according to Benda, these civilizations operate a fleet of spaceships led by Ashtar. Wait, Ashtar? Wait, is this the same fucking one? Hold on a second. Whoa, these are two completely different ones, both with Ashtar. That's some crazy shit. So this one is um, Ashtar Sharon, who orbited and closely watched the Earth, helping the good and waiting to transport the followers into another dimension. Now, these universe people taught um, various elements of ufology. Basically, again, they seem to have found that ufology was like, oh, crap, we can make an entire religion out of this crap because there's a lot of people that believe it. We might just get some followers. More importantly, we might just get some of their money. So the foreign contactors are these foreign contactors, the ones that can talk to aliens. They were often renounced after a time as misguided or deceptive. And a lot of weird conspiracy theories started sprouting up amongst the members that their forces of evil are supposed to plan some compulsory chipping of the populace. Basically, what they're saying is they're going to start chipping all of us, putting a microchip in all of us so they can track us. You know, this was, uh, what, 1997? It's not long after that that we all started carrying around these things with microchips in our pockets that can track us. Now, I don't want to go all tinfoil hat on you guys, because you all know this shit anyway. But this one wasn't the worst of them. I'll just put it that way. Again, 97, UFOs are still hot. Let's make it into a religion. 60s, UFOs are still hot. Let's make it into a religion. 50s, UFOs are still hot. 70s, 80s, you see the pattern here? As long as people believe in UFOs, and there's enough of them, people are going to try and turn it into a religion just to get some money. So, nothing really happened with this one. Thankfully, they haven't killed anybody. Nothing really bad is happening. I'm sure they got Ashtar from that other cult that, you know, didn't need it anymore. So, why not go with that, too? For all I know, this guy, Ivo Abenda, was a member of that other cult. Doesn't really say. Alright, so finally we have the Church of the Subgenius. This one seems to be a fun, wacky UFO cult. First up, when you get a second, listen to my buddy Jason Klom's podcast, Comedy on Vinyl. Comedy on Vinyl is a fantastic podcast. On episode 305, holy crap, do I got a lot of work ahead of me to catch up with you, Jason. On episode 305, he had the Reverend Ivan Stang on... And like all his episodes, it was fantastic. Like, it's a great episode of Comedy on Vinyl. But back to the wacky stuff. So this church, the Church of the Subgenius, was founded in 1979 with the publication of Subgenius Pamphlet Number 1 by Ivan Stang, the person I was just talking about, and also by Philo Drummond. Let me make one thing clear. This church is known as a parody religion. And that's due to his extensive use of comedy and parody. In spite of this, though, the organization claims over 10,000 followers worldwide who have paid $30 to become, quote, ordained subgenius ministers, which I figured I gotta do something for this UFO cult episode. I'm not joining a cult, kind of, but I will send in $30 to become a minister because if I'm going to be a minister of a UFO cult-like religion, it might as well be this one, where no one gets hurt, no one gets murdered, I don't have to sign my life away, I don't have any money to, for them to take, besides the $30 I gave them, but that's it. Um, there's nothing to this one. 
there is no downside that I can see. I'm not going to have a bunch of weird people coming to my door and, you know, and moo-moos and shit trying to get me to walk around and tell other people. I'm not doing any of that shit. I'm not going to have my thetans measured, none of that stuff. But anyhow, the publication of the Book of the Subgenius in 1983 really sparked it off. And the Church of the Subgenius, it prophesied that its founder, J.R. Bob Dobbs, was in contact with an extraterrestrial race called the Exists. Exists. The Exists. And these Exists were scheduled to launch a worldwide invasion of Earth on June 5th, 1998. Here's another spoiler. That didn't happen. All right, so that didn't happen. And they didn't even care. They were like, whatever. So now the church holds annual X-Day celebrations on July 5th of every year. So plan your July 5th now because X-Day hasn't happened. It could be this year. What do you have to do for X-Day? I don't know. If I find out, I'll make sure I let you guys know because it's coming up quick. X-Day is upon us. Now this church also claims that its members are not entirely human, having descended from the Yeti. Hear that? That's right, the Yeti. So with this one, we've got UFOs, aliens, failed doomsday predictions, and the freaking Yeti. This is the only cult on this episode that I even halfway endorse because there's no real harm in it. Frankly, everyone knows it's just stupid. So it seems like a good one to end on to me. If you're going to be in a cult, be in one that has a Yeti and UFOs and aliens and failed doomsday predictions and don't join a cult. I know I was saying that earlier. I was kind of saying that as a joke. Listeners, don't join a cult. Cults are bad, okay? Don't give anybody all of your money. That seems bad, okay? And if you're gonna give somebody all of your money, at least let it be me. Because I'll make more stupid episodes like this one with that money that you give to the Church of the Kurt. I don't know. Figure it out. Paramaniac Church. I don't know. You, you guys got a lot of time. Plenty of time. So, what do you guys think? Has there ever been a UFO cult or religion that seemed halfway reasonable to you? That you could actually say, I don't know, maybe. I mean, it's no wackier than some dude that churned water into wine or whatever else or whatever religion you grew up believing or believe now. Has there ever been a UFO cult where you went, yeah, they don't seem to be harming anybody. That seems like it could be true. Better hedge my bets and, and you know, I'll keep an eye out for it. Or do you, like me, think that all of these cults on here were all bad ideas? Even if nobody got hurt, even if nobody committed mass suicide, that cults in general are just bad. What did you guys think? This is a little bit of a different episode. I just kind of wanted to mix it up just a little bit and talk about topics that aren't usually talked about. Not a lot of people talk about cults, UFO cults in general, on paranormal podcasts. Why? There's a whole lot of them. This was just a small sampling of them. There's many, many more. But I didn't want to get too boring and bog you guys down too much with fake religion. And I say fake religion in this form of UFO cults. If you want to be religious, that's cool. Good on you. I'm not judging. I really am not. But remember, don't join a cult. Or do. I'm not your dad. But if you do, don't try and get me to join a cult. That's the that's the real that's the real capper right there. Don't join a cult. If you do, don't tell me about it. Don't try to get me to join it. It's not gonna happen. Uh, if I get that um, that kit 
from the uh, the Church of the Subgeniuses. Uh, I'll let you know about it. I'll let you know what I get. I've heard it's kind of funny, wacky pamphlets about, you know, what to do in the doomsday, what to do when UFOs arrive. So I'm sure I'll mention that. But again, it's all just good, stupid fun. Please don't join a cult. Don't take any of this episode seriously. Don't worry. I know I didn't really get an episode in last week. I had two and two, and I was like, all right, I did two weeks of two episodes. I'm going to take a little bit of a breather for a weekend, and that kind of got away with me, got away from me. But um, but ultimately, you got an episode this week. Something tells me you're going to get a classic paranormal-type episode, hopefully by the weekend. Coming up very soon. Is it about Australian hauntings? I don't know. Could be. Pretty nice. I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. All the cults on here are really fucking stupid. If you believed any of these things and said, hey, I might want to join that one, except for that subgenius one's just stupid. But if you saw, if you heard any of these, um, you heard any of these cults on here and you thought for just a second, you know what? I might want to join these cults. Do not join these cults. Nothing good ever came from joining a cult. All right. That's my little, uh, thing at the end. All right. Once again, I am your host, Kurt Sandvik, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Rosalie Law.